The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Well, Liverpool's remarkable season has been based on a number of things. Mo Salah's goals, Alisson's brilliance, but without doubt this clock machine owes a debt of gratitude to its fearless fullbacks, Trent and Robbo, who've helped redefine the position. Their numbers are off the charts and they're going to be key in the push for more trophies this season. If you've not already subscribed to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on Liverpool as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. And there is a special price right now, just £1 a month for six months if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall, and as we look at fullbacks on this red agenda, it's absolutely brilliant to have the expertise of former Liverpool man Stephen Warnock with us and also senior writer for The Athletic, Stu James as well. Stephen, let's kick it off with yourself. It was Jamie Carragher, wasn't it, who said, no one wants to grow up and be a fullback. Well, I didn't. I want, Well, I didn't want to be a fullback. I wanted to be a winger or I wanted to be a midfielder. Um, but then slowly kept on getting pushed back. And as Cara says, it's a, a failed winger who ends up as a fullback. I think I'd have been better in the modern game, though, or, uh, in this day and age where there's so many stats about about uh, what you do in a game and, and what the, the chances you create, etc. I, th- I think we should just introduce Stu as well here because... As well as being a writer of the Athletic, you have got a bit of history as a fullback as well, Stu, haven't you? Yeah, I, I don't really like being uh, mentioned in the same breath as Mr. Warnock with, with my fullback abilities, though. Um, but uh, yeah, I was um, so I was a young pro at Swindon in the early nineties, and um, well, Hoddle was manager in my first year there, and uh, he was playing wing backs at the time, which was uh, very new in nineteen ninety two, really. Um, and uh, yeah, then I uh, got released in 95 uh, by an ex-Liverpool man, actually. Steve McMahon was manager by that stage and then um, drifted into the semi-pro game and had sort of eight years with Bath and Newport. And yeah, like Stephen, but on a different level, ended up getting moved back really and uh, ended up as a right back. So there we go. Right. Well, you both know the position inside out. I suppose on the pod today, we're going to talk about how it's been massively redefined. But first of all, uh, Stephen, we've been so lucky to watch the emergence of these two, haven't we? And the story that goes around them, Trent, the local lad, Andy, the lad who was signed for a fairly small price tag from Hull City with fairly little expectation, and the two of them now world beaters, really. Yeah, I think if you start with Andrew Robertson, I think when you looked at the price coming in, uh, Hull struggling, and then to, to sign him and to see what he was capable of doing, the scouting network and, and obviously Jurgen Klopp watching him, it's credit to them to understand that he can fit into that system and what he can provide going forward. I think you often, when you when you watch players, you, you don't watch them the way that they're watching them. Can they fit into our system? Can they do what we'd like them to do? I think if if Jurgen Klopp was to hold his hands up, did he think he could he could get to the level he's got to? Because I think there was probably a feeling amongst the squad as well that they probably didn't see it. And he's ex- exceeded all expectations and just kicked on to a, a whole new level. And then when you look at Trent, I think you run out of things to say, don't you, at times, about how good he is. And the difference of what he can bring compared to Andrew Robertson is longer distance passings, probably better. You can liken it to a, a David Beckham in the way that he can pass a ball from deep. But his crossing ability as well is, is phenomenal. So um, I think when you 
being a local lad and being a Liverpool supporter growing up, that weight of expectation to go and play for Liverpool is also very difficult. And he seems to just embrace it and thrives off it. You made a really good point there about perhaps Jurgen when he signed them, not really appreciating or understanding you know, where they'd actually get to and how they would. And I keep using that term, redefine those positions. Could he really have understood at that point how far these two were going to come? No, I don't think you can ever foresee that. I don't think you could you could do that with any player that you sign unless they are already world-class. But that's not really a Jurgen Klopp or a Liverpool model signing. Everything is geared up to, to improve those players through coaching, through tactics, through fitting into a system with better players around them and hoping that they they adapt to that. I mean, would would have everyone have said Diogo Jota would have fitted into the system? Did everyone look at Diogo Jota and say, he's perfect for Liverpool, he'd fit into that system, he'll score one in two goals every time that he puts on a Liverpool shirt? They absolutely wouldn't. If they do, they're lying. Now, the, the Jurgen Klopp and his staff might have felt that, that they can improve him and they can get him better. But would he have not one of those front three out of their positions? No one would have said that. When he came into the club, everyone said he's a backup. But they've looked longer term. And that's the that's the quality of, of the scouting network, of the coaches, of the manager, having a foresight to see the improvement in players as well. And it's just been the most incredible improvement, hasn't it, Stu? And the, the amount of headlines that these two generate is off the charts. Yeah. It wasn't like that for fullbacks, was it, back in the day? It's it's, it's extraordinary, really. <laughs> Stephen's smiling. Um, it is incredible. And, um, you know, someone picked me up on the piece I did the other day, lining it when I said about Trent redefining the role but and, and mentioned Dan- Danny Alves and people like that. But I think Trent has shifted it again with the way he plays. You know, it was really interesting here in an interview he did with one of my colleagues earlier in the season talking about the movement patterns that Klopp works on with him and one of the number eights and, and Salah on his side. And he just has so much freedom, not just to get forward, but to come inside as well and have a real influence. We've seen a shift this season in the way he creates goals uh, across the width of the penalty area more than uh, on the flank area. But I just love watching them both because technically they are outstanding footballers and you know they're capable of a bit of everything and I think people do miss the point when you know when Southgate played him in midfield and people say oh Trent could play in midfield but that's kind of almost being a bit disrespectful to the role that he has as a right back really at Liverpool which is a unique role I'd say just wonderful footballers to watch stats are off the charts let's start with Trent so his assist for Sadio Mane against West Ham was his 16th of the season personal milestone but I think he's on he's on 17 in total I think that's about right but he's hit 15 in two other campaigns um, hasn't he? What was your top level of assists, Stephen? And why is it that Trent what? is hitting these numbers? Why, why are you trying to do that to me, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to show how the game has changed. As I say, Steve, stats weren't about in those days. And they probably were, but we never really looked at them. To be honest, I, I couldn't tell you how many assists I provided, but when I look back, I, I was always a forward-thinking fullback. I was always one who wanted to get forward. That was the role I played at both Blackburn and Aston Villa. It was different under under Rafa Benitez at Liverpool. He wanted you to sit back. But the way that they play works because of changing formations. Now, when we played, it was 4-4-2 at Liverpool. Then, even when I went to Blackburn and Aston Villa, we played 4-4-2. We didn't play this 4-3-3 system, which allows you to get forward because it pushes fullbacks back 
it pushes with the likes of Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah coming inside. That's what allows that position to work um, and it allows the fullbacks to get so far forward. So as much as everyone says, oh, it's reinvented the position, it's the formation that's changed the position and, and helped it evolve. But you've got to have the players that are capable of playing in, in those fullback positions. When you look at Trent, I often, when he puts crosses into the box when people make runs, you have to have those runs. You have to have players who believe you can put the ball in there. But you've got to have the confidence to keep on putting it in there. Now, when you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's putting crosses into the box, if you're a striker and the first cross doesn't come in or it's not the best cross, the next time that the cross is lined up, you don't think, he's not going to find me. Your thought process is, this one will find me. And that's the difference with him. So even if it's not the second or the third, you still believe he will hit you at some point because he's that good a player. And that's that's the difference in, in what he, he brings to the team is that, that quality on a consistent level. Now, I might have crossed the ball and hit a striker probably one out of four, one out of five. He's doing it probably one out of two, one out of three, which is so, so impressive uh, to be able to do that because... Often when you look look up as a fullback or as a winger, you're trying to hit it in an area to find someone's head. And sometimes it's near on impossible to, to do that because of two centre-backs stood in the way, defenders, midfielders, but he's got that quality to do it. I think if you look at the possession stats for, for Trent and, and Robbo, that their highest percentage areas are over the halfway line, which would seem obvious to us, wouldn't it? That, now, that's that's a marked difference, isn't it, Stephen, from historically where you'd see players maybe, you know, operating. But again, it comes back to that system um, where when the fullbacks go forward, you get the two centre midfielders, the two eights, if you like, who drop back into fullback positions. So Henderson would do it one side, Alden, when he was playing, would do it the other side, or Milner would do it. And they'd be the players that would drop into those fullback positions to allow the wide players to go forward, to allow Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah to come inside. And then it's a real problem for the midfielders. What do the midfielders of the opposition do? Who do they follow? And it causes havoc and it allows them balls into the forward players. So there's so many sort of facets to the the system that have to come together, but they do it seamlessly and it works so well. So that's why it works for the fullbacks is because the midfielders understand it and the wide players understand it as well. Stu, in the piece you've written, which is titled A World Beater for, for Liverpool and a Sub for England, the, the Trent dilemma. You've analysed his England performances and his England involvement under Gareth Southgate and, and looked at that and compared it to his, his Liverpool game. Mm. Is this essentially just about a manager's subjective viewpoint? To a point, I think. I think Stephen touches on really important issues there as well in terms of the significance of the system that someone, someone plays in and not just how a manager sees an individual. You know, I think it's fascinating for Liverpool that he touches the ball more than any other player. When we're having a laugh at the start about, you know, looking back historically, that would be unthinkable for a right back. You actually wouldn't want your right back touching the ball more than any other player, would you, back in the 90s? That would be bizarre. You'd be thinking, why is he playing right back? With Trent at Liverpool, it makes total sense. With England, it is interesting. I'll be honest, when I started, when I was asked to look at that piece, I didn't know the stats. And I was surprised that Trent has had more times as an unused sub for England than he's played in matches. 16-17. I found, found that quite startling. That, that's one, one thing sorry. that we do match up on. 
I had the same. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I found the oh, chapter match. Brilliant. There you go. <laughs> brilliant. So, uh, uh, and, and then I started looking through the games, Steve, as well, because I wanted to have a feel for the significance of the matches that he did play in. And by and large, he was playing in experimental teams. Now, obviously, at the start, that's going to be the case when he's first introduced the England setup. But looking through the matches, even in more recent times, I never got a feel for Southgate trusting him. It seemed to be in the matches that really mattered, it was Trippier or Walker who played in those games. Now, it's interesting. I look and think, what would have happened if Trent had been fit for the Euros, if he hadn't pulled that thigh muscle at Middlesbrough? How much would he really have played? Uh, You have to bear in mind, obviously, three months before the tournament, he wasn't even in the squad which I know that decision didn't go down particularly well at Liverpool. I think it surprised a lot of people. I'm not sure he would have featured much at all in the Euros because I think of the way Southgate sets England up. And my personal view is that Southgate is a fairly cautious coach. So you look in the final, he did play with wing-backs then and you'd feel with England that's probably Trent's best chance of playing because of the things I just said about Southgate's natural way of playing. And he went with Trippier and Walker. He didn't play Rhys James in that final. And I'm not sure that Trent would have played. So going forward, what will that look like? I think we have to say with England, we're blessed. We've got four really good fullbacks. All quite different, I think. The nearest comparison, I'd say, would be James and Alexander-Arnold. But I think there's lots of differences in their play. Over time, I can see those two fighting it out for that role on the right. Will that be a right back? Will that be wing back? I don't know. But throwing it forward... I find it, it's amazing, really. We're talking about these stats. I think club and country, it's 19 assists in 38 games, one every two, which is, you know, a playmaker would be <laughs> over the world with those figures. I'm not sure Trent will start in the World Cup. I don't know. What do you think, Stephen? No, I don't. I think he needs to change a manager to play for England. I, I, I think Gareth Southgate is a negative manager. I think he's very uh, pragmatic in the way that he plays. I don't think it suits him. I think when you when we talk about and this, this comes up week after week. Who's the best right back? Reese James isn't a right back. He's a wing back playing for Chelsea. He's not a he's not a right back. That's the position he plays. And he's he's a brilliant wing back. Trent's not a wing back. It doesn't suit him being higher up on the pitch. He has to come onto the game and, and walk onto it and see things in front of him. And it's such a different role to play, both defensively and attacking wise. I I hundred percent agree. I don't think he. I don't think he'd have played in the Euros. I really don't. I just don't think it would have. Uh, Gareth Southgate would have, have looked at him and thought, "Yeah, he can. He can do this." I think he looks at other players and he, he believes in them in that system more so. And I said it when it happened. I thought it was a blessing in disguise that he got injured because it gave him a break over the summer. It gave him a chance to have that sort of not a look at himself, but to prove to people I am the best right back in the world. Not that he needed to by any stretch of the imagination, but I think there was that, okay, that, like you say, being out the squad, he came back and he was phenomenal till the end of the season, but it still wouldn't have been enough because it doesn't suit the system that he plays. Also with what you, what you have to think of, well, and I've had this in my career where you play with certain wingers and they help your game or you play with a certain centre-back and they help your game when to go when not to go who's England's right-sided centre-half I mean it was John Stones pretty much in the in the Euros or Kyle Walker wasn't it on that right side would they have had the same relationship to allow Trent Alexander-Arnold to go forward to give him that freedom 
You look at Joel Matip and he understands, and Canate now when they come in, or Joe Gomez, they all understand that Trent is one of the most important players in the team. They allow him the freedom to go forward. The midfielders know how to cover him, when to cover him. So the Liverpool system is geared up to suit his game. England completely isn't. One of the most bizarre things, Stu, was when Gareth Southgate gave him a different role in the side, and even Jurgen Klopp questioned it at the time. Well, you know, why, why are you moving this player out of position when he's, when he's the best out there at, at playing right back? Yeah, that says everything, that, doesn't it, really? I mean, I did speak to some other people at the FA who said that, obviously, Southgate has known Trent since uh, England under-17s, I think, and, and, and they said there were discussions early on about whether he could end up playing in midfield for his country. But, you know, it goes back to that point we were saying, doesn't it? If, he, if he's that good as a right-back, why move him? You know, it, it just seems it seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, I think they did that for 45 minutes or so in that game. And, and yeah, Klopp found it bizarre. I think he found it bizarre not just the fact that he was played in midfield, where he was played in midfield as a number eight. The, none of it really made sense. And yeah, it's hard to to get away from this feeling that, that Southgate doesn't really trust him in the big games and doesn't see a way to fit him into his system. I mean, personally, it, it frustrates me. And, it, you know, you stray into other territory, you look at the Italy game in the final and the way that felt to me, like watching a lot of England games, big England games over the years, where we lose control of a match, where we retreat deeper and deeper. And our default setting isn't to actually try and seize the initiative and go and score again, it's to sit back. And I say all that in the context of Trent because I think he's the sort of player who will give you those opportunities to go and get another goal, to go and create. And I think England are missing out on something, personally, by not playing him. Stephen, we know, being around Liverpool fans, that actually a large proportion aren't really bothered about England. But actually the player himself, who what has won the Premier League, Champions League, World Club Championship, shortlisted for the Ballon d'Or, PFA Young Player of the Year, he will be very concerned about his England role in years to come. Yeah, he, he, I'm sure he will. I'm sure one of the things that you want is you want to tick off the list of everything that you wanted to achieve as a kid. And I'm sure one of his achievements is to win something with England as well. That's that's no different to anyone else. I, I've been fortunate enough to be on a plane going to a World Cup. The thoughts that go through your head, the dreams that you have of potentially getting to finals, lifting the World Cup and things like that, they won't be any different. They'll be even higher for him because of his ability. The, the big thing is as well, for me, I was up against the best left-back in world football in Ashley Cole. So I knew my role. He's the best right-back in world football but can't get a game. So how frustrated must he be sat on a plane or going to camps and thinking, I'm the best player here and I can't even get a game? And I agree completely with what Stu says. You can affect games you play in the biggest games. And what does it often come down to? It often comes down to a Trent assist because he's high up the pitch or that piercing pass from nowhere where you go, wow, how did he just hit that ball? And I, and I go back to the Arsenal game a couple of weeks ago where he where he flights a ball over, I think it was to Sadio Mane or to Mohamed Salah, and you're thinking, not many players can hit that pass. He sees a pass out of nowhere, but he's got the execution as well. And um, he, must be, he must grow frustrated, but like I said, I think he needs to change a manager. I honestly do. I just I think he'll be frustrated for years to come unless Gareth Southgate suddenly decides I'm going to go to a 4-3-3 and I'm going to stick to it because it suits the best teams in the league which are Liverpool and Manchester City who have arguably got the best players 
and I need to fit them into the system. Well, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City to a certain degree because Chelsea do play three up top as well. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's come back to the the club role for Trent and for Andy Robertson as well. The pair of them, Stu, seem to have this incredible relationship, which no doubt helps spur them both on. Was that the case with you in your playing days? Did you have a great relationship with the other fullback, Stu? <laughs> One thing when I think back to my playing day, I don't know, I'm older than Stephen, but like assist wasn't even a word then. You'd, you'd talk about setting up a goal maybe, but as Stephen said, no one was keeping a tally of those things. And I have to say, I, I loved setting up goals. I got a massive pleasure from doing that, you know, almost more than scoring in a way. It was a great feeling, but, you know, you, you just think back to how it was then and never would two of you go forward at the same time. You're always taught that, Stephen, like being on a bit of string kind of thing, sliding across the pitch. You know, if the right back's pushing on, the left back comes round, and yet you'll see Liverpool at times with both of them forward. I do think they spur each other on. I think, you know, they they seem to have a really healthy relationship in terms of motivating each other, chasing the assist targets. I was looking the other day. I think Leighton Baines is top for Premier League defenders. I think I'm right in saying Trent's only nine off him. Was Trent 23 years old? He's going to absolutely, you know, obliterate that stat. I think it's something like 50, I want to say something like 53, 54 Baines is on. And I think Trent's early early 40s. So that puts into some sort of context the numbers we're talking about. I mean, Trent could have another 10 years at Liverpool. You know, he could end up with, as crazy as it sounds, 150 assists. and, And Robertson is ahead of him at the minute. Obviously, he's older. Robertson will probably get to that Baines target first. But... Saying all that to really illustrate the point, Liverpool are blessed with two outstanding fullbacks. I also think the work that Robertson gets through defensively as well. He just seems such a brilliant team player. Probably not by you guys, uh, but I think outside of Liverpool sometimes, maybe Robertson's overlooked slightly because of Trent being so brilliant. But that shouldn't be the case because I think Robertson's a terrific footballer and, and, you know, what a sign-in for Liverpool. He shouldn't be in his shadow, should he? There's elements of them actually just finding each other with these cross-field pinged balls, isn't there, Stephen? Which they make look easy, but clearly isn't. And tactically, is is just so on the ball. Yeah, it's worked on in training. You can see it. There's Again, it's the the tactics to move players into certain positions to free up those winger, uh, the the the, uh, the fullbacks to make sure that they can get forward. And it's it's something that you'll see probably three, four times a game. And you think... How does no one see it? How do, how do they not stop it? But such is the quality of the passing 
it's not a floated pass, it's a, it's a pinged pass and it's it's drilled across the pitch. So it starts the momentum, it starts the attack and it puts them on the front foot. Yeah, it, it's something that they, they use on a regular basis. But I was just going to go back to the point that Stu said. When we were fullbacks as youngsters, our big thing was clean sheets. It wasn't assists, whereas that's where it's changed now, the forward mentality of teams. But when you are, you, you also have to take into consideration the team that you play in. So if you're down the bottom of the league, clean sheets are your your big thing. That's what you are going to be judged on because you, you've got to keep clean sheets. You're going to be under pressure more. But when you're in a team like Liverpool or Manchester City, the emphasis is front foot and playing high up the pitch. You're dominating possession. So that's just something I just wanted to throw in. So you're saying that Trent and Robbo don't celebrate the clean sheet in the same way that, oh, they that, will, maybe, but- that Virgil and... You know, it's a different priority. It's a different priority for them. But I think the the big thing is they'll get the buzz off both because they're capable of, more often than not, they keep a clean sheet, don't they? You look at the clean sheet records this season. I think, is it, what, 16 clean sheets so far this season? And then you look at the assists that they're getting one in every two games. It's not a bad way to look at it, is it? Imagine coming in every day going, clean sheet and an assist, job done. Top of the world. Um, look, we've mentioned it a little bit before, but Stu, key to their styles is obviously the players that play with them on on either side. So whether it's Mo on the right with Trent or Sadio Mane on the left. In, in fact, you know, Liverpool have just got this wealth of attacking options, haven't they? But it it just seems to enhance what Andy and Trent are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can talk about there being almost a telepathic understanding, but I think that probably underplays some of the movement patterns that they work on as well in, in training. Um, you know, Stephen touched on that crossfield ball. That's not something that's just happening by accident. By the way, I love the fact that Trent can play that with his left foot as well yeah. um, and play it with unerring accuracy. You know, it's not, well, I hope this one works. It's like he strikes that ball thinking, I know this 60-yard ping is going to land on Robbo's foot. And I just, uh, I love that aspect of his game as well. But yeah, there is there is a um, a clear understanding and really nice relationships with the rotation that works on that side on both sides of the field. And I also think you know, touching on what you're saying, I mentioned this to someone recently. I, I look at Liverpool's squad now and think, wow, the depth. In fact, only last weekend I was running through with my with my lad two Liverpool teams. If you set up what is a in quotes first team against a second team, I mean, I just think that's a real shift from an outsider looking in over the last year or so with Liverpool where you think, wow, you know, Klopp really has those uh, those options now. But yeah, they're, they're, um, they're lovely relationships that, that, that Liverpool have on the field. And again, going back to Stephen's point about England, you're, you're trying to force something, trying to create something there that isn't natural. And if you're also trying to do that with a manager who doesn't have that, I think I wrote the other day that I feel Southgate's foot hovers over the brake rather than the accelerator. Yeah. I think... It's a great way of talking about it. I think Klopp's the absolute opposite, and and so all of that fits perfectly into the way that um, the way that Trent plays. And yeah, it just as a Liverpool fan, it must be just a delight watching that team. Steve, the other thing is as well when you when you look at the way that both fullbacks play, it wouldn't work without the work rate of Salah, Mane, Diaz, Jota. The way that they they cover those players, the way that they track back and allow them to press in the way that they press. Again, it's it's part of the system, and and I keep going back to it. But if if, if the system doesn't work in the way that they want to play, and Jurgen Klopp wants to play, then you don't get the best out of these two players. But the the players all in and around them, they 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 all work to the maximum potential 
of the system and that's why it continues to work so well because the work rate of I mean people talk about Salah's ability to score goals his ability to win ball the, the ball back or to, to hurry back to, to chase down is phenomenal the work rate's frightening but it helps out Trent it makes Trent a better player for it as well I mean they're all such top level aren't they I think as well as anything, if we're talking about the fullbacks, they've got this this winner's edge to them, haven't they, Stephen? This this mentality thing, which you, you probably would have seen from like academy level. You could probably spot who's going to make it through because they're natural born winners. I don't know. If you look at Andy Robertson and think of that Barcelona game where he, you know, he was quite happy to get stuck into Messi, wasn't he? And, and upset the apple cart. It's that it's that nature within them that is I'm going to win at any cost. Yeah, the, the, the big thing for me that always sticks out, the, the big game was, was Manchester United away when Trent was effectively torn to pieces by Marcus Rashford. And it was not a fact of Jurgen Klopp going, right, you're not good enough for the Premier League, you're not good enough to take us where we want to go. Learn from it, understand it, why it happened, and, and work and make sure you get better. Straighten the team next game. Now, there'd have been many managers who'd have gone, hmm, He's not going to be right for the next game. And he showed a mentality to come back and improve himself as a defender. And the next game, he got man of the match. That tells you everything about a player's mentality going into the next game and, and understanding what it takes to be an elite player at that level. Now, I know from speaking to, to, to players within the changing room at the moment, how he does lean on people. He, he asks questions. He wants to learn constantly, which is the sign of a brilliant player who wants to keep on improving and I think that's the mentality you've got to have I think Andrew Robertson's a different sort of pattern if you like because of he almost fell out of football after he left Celtic and went to a couple of other clubs and he used that famous tweet where's my next pay packet going to come from and things like that and what have you and you, you look at that and you go well there's a different drive for him there's a drive to be to stay at that, that highest level. And people will talk about Andrew Robertson's story for years to come because of where he has climbed from uh, to get to the to the level that he's gone to. So both, both brilliant stories, um, but just different paths as well. Right, let's finish the pod off talking about the chances of, of more trophies. I just want to mention myself and Stephen were involved in the uh, Forever Reds golf day yesterday. So that's the former Liverpool players, the charity that they've set up which is doing incredible work on on so many levels so if you can find out a little bit more about the forever reds i'd urge you to do that and support them if if possible uh stephen didn't win the golf day i should hasten to mention uh, thanks for that steve won by robbie fowler surprise surprise who seems to win every golf day that, that he plays in but actually one of the conversations we were having and we did a bit with john barnes um in front of some of the guests and i said to him what about the quadruple john and he said, "Well, if you if you're a player, you just you don't talk about that. It, it's that routine of Stu, one game at a time. But there must be an element in every one of those players' heads going, we could create a ridiculous level of history this season, one that might never ever be matched again." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we in the media over the years just love mentioning that that quadruple. It oh, it always comes up. It's just and, a good yet, word, isn't it, Stuart? It, it's a it's a good it's a good word, and it also seems utterly ridiculous, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It. Yeah, I, I remember posing it to various people in sort of I don't know January February time kind of thing, and yet you know when even when the question's being asked, you're thinking, well, it's never going to happen, but maybe someone will bite on it. And I'm looking at it now and thinking, wow, could Liverpool actually do it? Um, 
obviously it's 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 a huge huge ask. I do think it's amazing by the way the way Liverpool have responded from last season which was such a difficult season for all manner of reasons, you know, never mind, you know, the injuries clearly had a hugely disruptive effect. So for Liverpool to come back the way they have this season and push City Push City in a way that, if we're honest, a lot of people thought wouldn't happen at the start and certainly wouldn't happen midway through and that gap opened up at the top. I think that's phenomenal. I've talked about the squad depth. So I can't say that, oh, that's a worry. Will they have the players to get them through if they get some injuries? Obviously, there's still players within that Liverpool squad who are so important. You know, you wouldn't want to lose your, your pillars of the team. But I'd love to say they'll do it. I just think the nature of football you feel that maybe somewhere along the line, something will happen that you can't quite control. But, hey, it's on. Who knows? I think the big thing is, is congestion, isn't it? Towards the end of the season, the fixture congestion. How does it all sort of marry up at the end of the season? And does it get a little bit too much to manage? And, and that's where it could really come unstuck. But you look at Manchester City and, and they've, they've had opportunities to go for it themselves a couple of times, haven't they? And they fall short and you just think it's such a, a difficult thing to achieve. But I agree with Stu, the squad's there and the belief will be there as well. Have you ever seen a madder April, Stephen? If we're talking about you know, United, Everton, two against Man City, two against Benfica, possibility of the Champions League semi as well. I, I don't think I've ever seen a month like this. No, uh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? But... It's the price of success and, and, and where you are and what you're doing. I think that's what Liverpool will always want to achieve. But the, just the way the fixtures have fallen into place, it's quite brilliant. The, obviously, the, the two standout games are the Man City games. What happens there? And the, the, the interesting thing is you could end up actually losing to City in the league and still win the league. I think people are saying this is like a, a must win and you have to win that game. I understand why people are saying that, but you could still lose the game and still win the title. It's, it's definitely doable because City have shown there is a slip-up along the way at times. There's definitely more to be written in the story. Stephen, as a, as a former player yourself, and the club is so rich in its history, so you think about the double of 77, uh, 86, the treble of 84. Is there an element as a player of just knowing that history and that giving you sort of, if you like, just... I, I know it's an outside thing, but an added bit of belief that, you know, we are following in the footsteps of giants. I think there's an element of that, but I think they're, they're, they're writing their own history, aren't they? And I think that's the exciting part for the, the, those players is that we've talked about them in the last couple of years, and I say we as in, in the media world, as are they the greatest Premier League team that we've ever seen? So people already ex respect them. They understand how good they are. So the players know how good they are as well. The run that they've they've been on of late is just phenomenal. So they know what they're capable of. And the big thing for me is, is that when you walk in that changing room and you see the players around you, but then you listen to the guy who's given, to the team, given you the team talk, that just gives you so much confidence and belief that things are going to be okay and that you are in, in the running to win things because of the manager. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it's any different in the Manchester City changing room. I think there's that feeling as well. We've got the right guy guiding us along the way. Uh, we're blessed we're at a point where we've got two brilliant football teams going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. 
Great pod. Uh, it's like a full-back loving. Absolutely super. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Stu James, Stephen Warnock. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the Red Agenda this week. Don't forget to check out Stu's piece uh, on The Athletic about Trent at the moment. Also, and Stu mentioned it before, great interview which Kiva did uh, with Trent just a couple of months ago. So um, worth looking at that piece as well. And thank you for listening. And the Red Agenda returns again soon.